This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And we're back. We were reeling at the weekend because we had no idea what was going on. There were far too many goals raining into the back of the net. So Sunday, I just had to lie down on the bed and I think a lot of this lot had to lie down on the bed as well because it was just far too much for us. But now we've recovered and we realise that we're back in the frame because we've got a game at the weekend. It wasn't the same bed though. No, it wasn't the same bed at all. Wolverhampton Wanderers are coming at the weekend. So who was I with? So who was I with? I don't know, some German apparently, but we'll come on to that in a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, listen, absolutely teething tremendous, as I say, and an old school drum and bass term. <laughs> weekend, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, we've come back in the midweek now to, to find an excuse to talk about football and drink and have more beers as we are in the George the Fourth pub in Chiswick. Again, it's one of my favourite boozers in this part of West London here. Absolutely teething tremendous. They've got a live open mic night that they have every Wednesday, apparently. And there's all sorts of characters bringing their guitars and bringing their drums and all sorts of singing. And we've just sort of extricated ourselves. Bring these people in just to annoy us. They're here, but it's all good. It's, it, it adds to the vibe of this place, like you know. So, as, as if you don't know, it's down Chiswick High Road. Absolutely wicked. They really, really take care of us really, really well. Lovely booze if you want to come in here, pop in here for a couple of pints on the way to the game. You can do. Um, like I said, it's one of my favourite pubs in the manor. I don't know about you guys. I know you like drinking other places. No, I like it in here. They, they, yeah, it's, it's really good. Up, upstairs, they've got a little games room. Um, the beers. Monopoly? Yeah, got Monopoly. They've got, um, yeah, Cluedo. Sorry. Um, it's, it's certainly worth a visit in here. Lots of different beers. It's probably about 30 different beers downstairs. All good. You've got your Prides, your ESBs, your Chiswicks, but then they've got some like left of field ones, which I've not seen before, and I will try later on. <laughs> if you're still standing, that is as well. Which is, this is all good. But um, I'm Billy Grant, and uh, I've had a good day today, actually, as well. I've been sitting in a... Well, I was actually sitting in a booze around the corner, and talking badges and talking about the outer regions and talking about all other stuff which we... You know, I can't we'll probably tell you about later. Anyway, and I'm here in the boozer with the characters who are back now with smiles on their faces. 
to the left of me are the Liberal, the Liberal Nick. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Bill, thanks. Yeah, I had a good, uh, good weekend after the Preston game. Well, you weren't with us last week because you decided to do the unloyal thing and go off with somebody somewhere else to do something else, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't make Villa because I was celebrating my wedding anniversary in Berlin. And people, if you haven't been to Berlin, go. Although I was tempted on Friday night not to come back because Hertha Berlin were playing on that, that evening and the fans were gathering at the main station as I was catching the train back to the airport. And boy, they look like they have a good fan culture out there. They do have a good fan culture if you're not familiar to football in Berlin. I know a lot of the Bees fans out there are Berlin and Germany went to Leipzig and they went recently as well to Germany. Absolutely brilliant out there if you want to go to football matches. Just go to any football match there and you have a bright, proper laugh. But it's a good thing that the Liberal came out there and he actually saw something out of the Brentford zone, which is uh, we're trying to get you out of the Brentford zone just to, just to experience and just, get, you know, just give you different vibes. Anyway. <laughs> Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Bill. Um... I, I, You're drinking sort of some white spirits there, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, um, um, or moonshine, I think, is what it is. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Uh, I missed the, um, the Brighton game, but I got back in time for Villa away and, um, and the Preston game. So, yeah, it was, um, it's been a, a, good, a good time to get back into the swing of things. That's right, and I've got the Savvy B who's back on the... On after, you know, we, last time we saw Savvy B, it was just after a couple of hours after his movie premiere that we all went down to, which is very good, um, about the, the boats on the river and the people who live on the riverside. Many of them lived in Brentford and Twickenham and, and Richmond and stuff like that. So, but, well, just tell us a little, what's it called again? It's called uh, Life Afloat. Uh, Where can we see this? It's currently uh, showing at uh, uh, Waterman's Art Centre. There's a photographic exhibition there and they're playing the film on a loop. So you can just pop into just where the bar is, pop it along and see it. It's about 50 minutes long, so grab a seat and just sit down and watch it. People can get it online as well, though, can't they? Uh, they, they will be able to soon from the totallythems.org website. Uh, they're kind of waiting until it finishes at Waterman's and then making it live. And basically, it's about people who live in houseboats uh, through, the, through, the, through the ages, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff around Brentford because, you know, as, as many people know, Brentford used to be a proper, proper dive with the gasworks and all sorts of factories up against up against the river and people used to live there proper bohemian types who, who sort of leave home at 16 and end up living on a boat with their boyfriends and there's lots of nice stories like that going on Excellent, and, and I mean other than sort of the boat action, how's your couple of weeks been for you? Yeah, it's all good I was quite excited today because I went to pick up my new glasses and I, I, I got home, put them on for the, for the wife and she says, oh, you, they're really good you look like Owen Smith <laughs> Loser <laughs> exactly, yeah, so, so, so that, that disappointed me a little bit, but yeah. uh, apart from that, all good. All good. Dave Lane, how are you? I'm partially happy, partially sad, Bill, you know. I'm partially happy because the, the last three games have been, I think, pretty, pretty fantastic. Brighton away, Villa away, Preston at home. And I'm kind of a bit sad because I'm going to miss my first game for two years on Saturday. Two, two years? Is pretty it? Much. Oh, give it a take, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And <laughs> um, why is that then? Because I'm going to miss a game. Where are you going? Going to Amsterdam, Bill. Why are you going to Amsterdam? I'm going to see Above and Beyond's 200th, 200th thing. I'm going to be a young raver again, Bill. 
Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, they've been going for two hundred years. That's very interesting, actually. And they're obviously ahead of their time when they started making that electronic music back in the sort of kind of the eighteenth century or whenever it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like um, the modern day craft work. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, and uh, and Mozart. <laughs> Mozart was on their first album. He was. They sampled him though, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, and. Um, and for me, uh, I've, had, I've had, like I said, I've had a good week, had a good weekend, and I'd had a good week. I had a bit of a weird day as well. There's the first time for me I actually went down to the infamous Metropolitan Police Ground. I mean, it wasn't like I went down to see my friends. It just, I, I, was, I, happened, to be, I happened to be passing, okay? And, um, Did you fall down any stairs? No, well, I didn't fall down any stairs, but I think that a couple of players did. And, they, and, and it was. Like they all greeted you. Hello, Bill. That's, Good uh, to that's see right. You. I was locked in my car at the time. I put the. Um, um, Dulwich Hamlet were playing down at Met Police, and I happened to be in the area, of course. That's what I told my wife. Um, I happened to be in the area. And um, um, Dulwich Hamlet were playing Met Police, and it was quite funny because I walked in there, and it was like. Not quite like the other non-league games that I go to because it's quite sort of kind of eerie. It's quite strange. It's like this sort of imber court of people who live around the Hampton Court area. Probably know it as, as well, East Molsey. It's just very, very bizarre. Did you have to um, step out of your motor? I, I did have to step out of my motor, like you were saying. I'm a police officer. Producer. I got a producer, actually, and then they let me in, which is, which is great. <laughs> And uh, it was funny, I, I sort of walked around, yeah, the rebel, this is the Dulwich Hamlet rebel beyond, they're just singing all their songs as usual. Apparently, the Met Police aren't very happy with them because apparently uh, they played the Met Police a couple of seasons ago and met, um, the Dulwich fans turned up with sausages, um, sort, of, sort of pigs, and just start throwing it on the pitch and start throwing it at the police. And apparently, they weren't very happy with it. I don't agree with that kind of behaviour, but I did think it was quite funny. But anyway, I stepped behind the goal and... Uh, I started to take a couple of photographs of the stand as you may stand. The guy turned around to me because, oh, oh, mate, oh, oh, you, you're a ground hopper. And I went, um, not, not really. He's going, oh, right, you know, because, well, you know, you know, you're, you're welcome to come back here at any time you want to, mate. You know, because we're a police side and everyone fucking hates the police. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll come back here next week then if you want. So, uh, but anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting game. Uh, Hamlet fluffed it again, drew one all. But anyway, it's good. But anyway. They fought the law and the law drew. The law were very happy with that as well, it looks like. You know, the character's so happy. But anyway, we're looking at this Preston game at the weekend, which is gone. And we're also going to look at the Brighton game and the Villa game as well. And also, we're going to look forward to the, the Wolves match, which is coming up. And also, the characters have been... We just thought, look, hold on a minute, Brentford are doing fairly well at the moment now. So when you're in that position you start to look around and see what everybody else is doing around you. So we're having a little look around at a few of our rivals, maybe see what QPR fans are saying, the Fulham fans are saying, Wednesday, Newcastle, Huddersfield, Derby. Just see what's going on on the forums and the social networks of these teams as well. And also, just came into our head this week, we just thought, football chance. We could talk about chanting and noise at football matches and atmosphere, and this is heart back to football chance. Chants which are good, chants which are bad, chants which are funny. But before we go into that, let's go back to Preston at the weekend. Let's hop back to the weekend when we smashed them five goals to nil with Scott Hogan scoring a hat trick. One, two, three, and a bit. PNER. Fucking shit. That's an old school chant. We'll talk about those later. But before we do that, let's hear what Marcus Gale and Chairman Cliff Crown and the Brentford fans and the Preston fans had to say in the pub after the match. <laughs> Five nil, two super bees, five nil, 
I'm in dreamland, Billy. I'm just watching Scott Hogan walk off the pitch with the ball stuffed up his jumper. Fantastic, lethal striking. I'm a bit worried about the January transfer window, but let's enjoy this. It's fantastic. I didn't expect a 5-0, but we did play some beautiful, beautiful uh, attacking football towards the end. I know they'd gone down to 10 men by then with an injury going off, but I thought we were, we were really great. And Scotty Hogan, McLeod, Sawyers, who had really come into the game, uh, got a lot of confidence from that lovely through ball early on. Uh, I thought, yeah, lovely, lovely. I mean, it wasn't the most beautiful game we played for a lot of it. We were fairly ordinary. But towards the end, we just really put the you know, foot down on the pedal and we were magnificent. Brilliant. I feel sorry for Preston as well because I thought they were pretty good. I thought 2-0 would have been fair, though. 5-0 was just completely unexpected. But we were good. We ran riot. They've got togetherness. You can tell they've just, they just really get on well and they, you know... They have a real spirit, don't they? And, uh, yeah, it all came together and 5-0. <laughs> I can't believe it. And as well, we've got the Marcus Gale in the house as well on the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, the Marcus Gale. We were just saying what a teeth tremendous, absolutely fantastic result that was today. Maybe not necessarily a 5 0 but you've just got to take your chances and take your luck, don't you? Well, I put them down for a 2-0 home win. But to get five, a bit harsh on Preston, but five good goals... Please for Scott Hogan, Patrick. Please for uh, Harley Dean getting his first goal for the club. But yeah, deserve it. But probably a bit more than expected, I would say. The game changed for the goal. 30 minutes in, but before that it was too slow. I could have played that pace at my age. <laughs> yeah. And I'm only 29. Yes, joking. of course. <laughs> but I could have played that game because the tempo was too slow. But what led up to that goal was a quick combination opened up space, it moved the, the Preston back line and it found Hogan in oceans of space and he coolly slotted that ball in. After that, Brentford knew that was the proper way to go through and um, created more chances like that. So the tempo was key. I'm not sure if it's a tactic and if it was, I don't think it's a wise one because you could be caught short. You could be down one or two goals and you, the team can say, you know what, I'm going to shut up shop and you ain't getting back in there. People can park the bus, we've heard that expression before. But I'd encourage Brentford to get out and stamp their authority on early on in the game and just set that precedent from, from minute one instead of bumbling through the first half an hour. All right, you get a good goal. But you should be able to establish yourself at Griffin Park anyway and, and, and let teams know that they're up against a very good side technically. They can move the board and cause problems. You only had five shots. Probably. I'll keep his shit. Keeper's not great. I mean, I wouldn't blame it all on the keeper, to be oh, fair, as well. He's, he's horrific. He's horrific. Yeah. The first the first 37 minutes, we were all right. You know, and also our keeper pulled off two miraculous saves, one in the first half, one in the second I half like as well. Miraculous. Because it was, it was so miraculous and tremendous at the same time. It was <laughs> tremaculous, wasn't Mate, it? You are a lovely guy. You are a lovely guy. <laughs> There's something wrong in, in the core of our, our players at the moment. It's upsetting. No, and we've not got the, 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 back, the financial backing to do much, but I think that we, we pride ourselves on having a, a team who fought for the manager and fought for each other, and that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, I think it's starting to flow now, and uh, we've, got, we've got some really good uh, free-playing football. Really enjoying that. And it's, um, you know, the team is really coming together. We're starting to see some, uh, some composure between the players and uh, there is some, uh, something happening. So uh, look forward to the next round. Cliff Crown, now tell me... From you know, from your position in Brentford, I mean, the vibe 
at the club must be fantastic. On their day, any team can beat anyone. We've seen today that Wolves have gone to Newcastle. No one would have predicted that in the same way that no one predicted we'd go to Brighton and win 2-0. So it's going to be a really tough league. But I think you hit the nail on the head. At the moment, it's all about confidence. And they're playing with a great deal of that. We've got some very, very good players in this squad. And frankly, what we need more than anything else is luck. I'm going to have to ask you the question, the pressing question, the Scott Hogan question as well. We know a lot of people were sniffing around him in, the, in, 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 in this transfer window. No, he didn't go. However, if a player like that is going to be banging in goals, somebody's going to bound to come in for him in, in the next window. Now, we're in a scenario, and we know this as well, we thought we might be languishing 6th, 8th, 10th, 12th. But all of a sudden, we might actually be pushing the playoffs. I mean, what is the scenario with Scott Hogan? He is signed to us for another couple of seasons, as far as we know. Is he not? Yes, he is. We, 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 sh- we, we should be holding on to players like that, despite people coming in and offering us £10 and £12 million. Pounds, or is it a case that we just might have to let them go? Well, ultimately, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, if you're asking my opinion, and uh, my personal opinion is, if we're in the top six, playing well, and looking like we've got a really good chance of getting into the Premier League... That's worth 150 million. Oh, yeah. at, the, so, at least. At least. So would I accept 10 million for Scott Hogan? I don't think so. Ultimately, it's not uh, in our hands. It's ultimately in the hands of the players and their agents. And when big clubs come knocking at the door and offering huge sums of money and we can't compete, then there's not a great deal we can do about it. But what we can do is work as a team, play well, Get, get ourselves into the top six, ideally even higher, and then let's see what we can achieve together. And I think with the team spirit that we've got here, I'm hoping that a lot of the players will want to continue that um, over the next two or three years. You could always lock him in the cupboard for a month and a half, though, couldn't you? <laughs> well, we'd try, that's for sure. I think if we looked back on the, uh, the highlights again, it, we, probably, we, probably don't, we probably don't look as lucky as we probably feel. I think, I think we deserve the goals. Um, uh, we, just, we, we kept plugging away, and as we did on uh, Wednesday night up at uh, Aston Villa. You know, we grew and grew and grew, and we got stronger and stronger. And I know we don't want to talk about losing players, but we've, you know, looking at that, we've got at least four players there that are worth... You know, between eight and 12 million quid. You know, it, that shows you what, what quality we've got in this club now. So interesting there, listen to the fans, but Marcus Gale, he talks about us not playing the ball quick enough in the first half. We're just coming out the traps too slowly. Also, interestingly, somebody said, or Laney actually, who said, we've got some very good players here. And also, you have to remember... It's post-international break. Before the international break, yeah, we weren't doing too badly. But after the international break, it seems every year we just do the business. And we've done it again. We've carried on our record. We've had two wins and a draw. And one very good win indeed. And Cliff Crown. He's chatting about Scott Hogan. We've got loads of things to talk about here. Guys, Preston, how good was it for you? I, I was trying desperately to recall when, if I'd ever seen Brentford score five goals with no uh, no goals conceded, and I can't remember. Uh, I don't think I ever have. It was a fantastic result, um, and the, the, the game itself, uh, we were, I think slightly, I mean, I, I said, I tweeted after the game that I felt that we were, you know, Perhaps we deserve to win 4 0 rather than 5 0. But I mean, it was that type of game. We were all over Preston. The, the way that the team operated, the way that they came off each other was just 
fantastic. Um, there was real teamwork, and it solved one of the conundrums for me as well. After I got a bit of flack, I think it was after the Brighton game, I said on the podcast immediately after the Brighton game, that I wondered whether there was a difficulty in playing Sawyers and McLeod together. Um, and uh, somebody said, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about, which is true. I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. But, but I think what proved this, uh, what proved is that McLeod has got the pace and Sawyers has got the, the skill and the ability to slow the game and see where the ball needs to be played and the flicks off. He did it well. And, and I really saw them gelling well as a, as a unit, um, on McLeod and, and Sawyers, uh, on Saturday in the midfield. And I was really pleased to see that. That's good that you've seen that. I mean, I'm not picking on you because this is not a, a culture of bullying at all. But I just want to bring this in as in, you know... There's, yeah. <laughs> um, Dean Smith, you were his biggest fan. In fact, you wanted him removed from the job at one stage. And no, also... No, no, no. I never, I never, ever, I never, ever... Oh, you lot laughing. I never, ever... Say, I said that the jury was out on Dean Smith back when we had that bad run... But everyone would um, say that, you know. Yeah, 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 and that's and I was reflecting what lots of people were saying. You're quite, you're quite ju- vocal. I was vocal in that Dean Smith hadn't at the st- hadn't at the back end of last season proved to me that he was a Brentford manager. Yeah, you, you, with yeah. time, with time, I have changed my opinion, and now I am I am happy with what Dean Smith is producing. The only thing I would say is that he's flying very low, be- low beneath the radar. Um, for, for better or for worse, he doesn't acknowledge the fans at the end of the game, or not that I see from the Ealing Road. Matt might see him from, from the New Road, but which I find quite interesting. There is no chanting sort of a Dean Smith's name, and you very rarely see him talked about in the press. I mean, I get the impression that actually he does the press conference and talking to Billy Rees, etc., after the games with a certain amount of reluctance. I think he'd be far happier to put other people up to do them, which in itself is... It may or may not be a bad thing, but it's just an interesting approach. I think he is flying beneath the radar. And, you know, good luck to the guy. You know, what he is doing at the moment, he's, he, 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 he's made his team. And, you know, we're, we're probably seeing what the Walsall fans rated him as a great manager and why he came from a good footballing club, who Walsall were in Division 1, and he's making Brentford into a good footballing club in the Championship. Fair play to the guy. I'm allowed to change my mind. No, no, I've got it. And everyone is allowed to change their mind. And talk about changing mind. Harley Dean, just interestingly. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I thought... I thought, I thought Harley Dean's, I thought Harley Dean's celebration for his goal on Saturday was a bit OTT. No, no, but yeah, but, uh, but hold on a second. Uh, yeah, but this tuition fees as well now. <laughs> oh, yeah, stop going to tuition fees. But just in general, I mean, what this season to, to last season, what's what's going on? Uh, I I think we have some very good centre backs at our club. Yeah, we do, and Harley Dean. I think we have a set of very good centre-backs at our club. It'll be interesting when suspension and injuries kick in to see what the ideal pairing is. I, I mean, I think Harley Dean has been playing very well myself. I'll, I'll put it down the boat, and I think he's done really well. And I think that Harley Dean has shown this before, that when he plays with particular players, he seems to up his level. And I think that this season, he has upped his level much more than last season, where he was prone to a number of mistakes, which... You know, maybe he may or may not have taken it well, but I think that even he will turn around this season and turn around and say, actually, look, I've actually upped my 
levels. Uh, do, you, do you believe so? He is playing in a team that has a lot of very good centre-backs and he needs to, he needs to play well. No, you know, in, in Nick's defence, you know, Harley was prone to a lot of errors. He has upped his game. You know, he, he clearly is. He's, he's one of, if, if it was a most improved player of the year award so far, it's probably him. You know, um, he scored a goal. Um, he looks more up for it. He looks better with um, um, Egan alongside him. Um, Bielend breathing down his neck now. Um, Dean, Dean is, a, is a worthy, worthy Brentford captain at the moment. Um, I, if I pick up a point on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I, I do think there's a. I, I think Dean has to perform. He's because I, I know um, uh, Mr. Grimes suggested that there was no pressure on him for his place, but there is because Egan could play on the right as effectively as he plays on the left. He's right footed as far as I can make out. Um, so um, there, there's plenty of pressure on Dean. Egan for me is the real key. He's the one that. Yeah, I agree that Harley... I mean, probably, I actually thought Saturday may have been the best game I've seen Harley Dean have in a Brentford show. I thought he was exceptional Saturday. But I still think, I'm, I'm convinced, it's, it's Egan playing alongside him that is the real key here. And, um, and although, you know, Harley Dean at the moment is clearly worth his place, when suspensions do kick in, it will be interesting when things are switched about a bit to see who, um, who ends the season as the two first-choice centre-backs. Although I agree that Egan has kind of um, settled uh, Harley Dean down, I also think playing uh, with Maxine Collin on the other side has had a big effect because last year they had a lot of different players playing in that position. And I think Maxine Collin is the best of all of them. And I think he's, he's very comfortable. And, you know, I, I think you know, that's, that's working in Dean's favour as well. And also, you know, players, players mature, they get better. You know, he's, he's a year older. Um, he, he, he joined us as a young player from Southampton. He, he's, been, he's been fine-tuning his art. He's been, he's, he's been learning his, his craft. And, uh, you know, he, he's probably going to get better and better now for the next two or three years. You know, will, will he be... You know, we've, we've always actually assumed that he won't be one of the next ones to leave. He, he, he might be now. Um, I, I think it, I think that's an interesting point because if we need to raise cash in the next transfer window and we have four good centre backs, I suspect there's a good chance one of them will go. Um, who's the most obvious one to go? I, maybe it would. You know, I'm, I, I just think that um, we will carry on being a selling club. But equally. Harley Dean may be the next Brentford player to have a testimonial. He's he's equally capable of doing 10 years with us because he he is a very good pro. Um, He is growing into his his art. Um, He's a good good Brentford captain. And, you know, I don't don't wish him away. And I I, I wish him all the success in his career. And 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 I'm hoping he will be able to to fulfil his potential at Brentford. I think the testimonial thing is quite interesting because I've always had this theory that the reason Kev O'Connor stayed with the club for so long was that he was never quite good enough to go anywhere else, to be sort of picked up or to move up or to, to get another a good move. And we were in the low division. And we were in the low division. And Harley Dean is a proven championship player, but I think that's where he's going to stay. And there's a good chance that he'll stay with us because I don't think there's going to be any big club that comes in and sweeps him, sweeps him out of our club. 
Well, you say that no big club, but I think actually in, in Dean's defence, there are possibly some teams that may around Christmas time be looking at shoring up their defence and may decide actually they need a good centre-back and Dean could well be somebody that could be looked at. I mean, talking about sure in our defence, I mean, let's just come back to the facts and figures here again. We were talking about Brentford as a team compared to last season, the season before. I mean, everyone's in lyrical. We've done brilliantly the last two seasons, to be quite honest with you. But the one thing about it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't checked the figures in the last couple of days, but from what I can gather is that we are one of the top scorers of the division. So we scored one of the most goals in the division. But also, from what I can gather, we've also have got the tightest defence. So we've let in the least goals as five so we've let in five goals all season um, there's a massive difference between last season and this season there because the problem is yeah great we were really exciting the season before letting in, you know, scoring loads of goals but also we're letting in loads of goals but as we know sometimes it's all about your tightness of defence if you're not letting in goals you're not going to lose games and then if you could score goals as Middlesbrough very very annoyingly showed all the time knocking it in one nil here and there and everywhere like that and maybe we're moving into that zone we're we're already banging on the door of the um, number of clean sheets we had last season this season i think we're one or two away from that we 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 really are um it's it's, it's a complete change around and um, and i know it may appear for the last 10 minutes we've we've thrown a few criticisms here and there but but i think what we need to be clear on is that at the moment we've got the best defense we've ever seen at this level, any of us, um, bearing out you know, how few many years we played there. Um, so arguably, probably as good a, as good a defensive combination as we've seen. And, and combine that with a really ruthless striker, yeah, that's, that ain't a bad combination. That, that means one thing. I'm not saying what that thing is, but if you're not conceding goals and you're scoring lots, what, what does that usually mean? But I remain fascinated to see what happens if Barbe or Bielen break into the back two and whether that brings another dimension to the... Well, Barbe seems to have done that. You know, we, we, we picked up our game when he came on. Anyone that went to the uh, Liverpool B-team game saw what, um, what a kind of um, uh, an infectious personality he's got on the pitch. He, he, he's not he's not a shirker he gives you everything he's got he, he, he is he, he's a continental player but he's a continental player with an English heart and to, to have him in your team again could only mean one thing that's that's a stronger team and I, and I think we'll we've seen that Bielend won't be a fullback in the next game it'll be Barbe I, I would imagine I, I, I would wager Barbe starts at Wolves um, and you know, Bieland is he, then he's breathing down the net. He, he's not going to be he's not going to be happy not to be playing again. Okay, and we're talking about it's interesting because we're talking about Barbe, we're talking about Bieland, we're talking about Hogan, we're talking about all our players here. Very interesting chart. Well, I say interesting because you're not quite sure how the figures came out. But there's this uh, um, uh, this organisation, the Global Soccer Network, which is a stats company, which obviously. It, 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 it gives players figures on how they perform during the matches and they put out this chart on the whole Brentford team over the eight matches that we've played and it's given them figures on what they've done probably you know strikers as defenders positioning all this kind of stuff so it's interesting in this chart you know Scott Hogan comes clear at the top of this chart apparently 120 
is the kind of like average. If you're 120, you've done average. If you're below 120, it's kind of below average. If you're over 120, you're above average. So Scott Hogan is flying up there at 126 on their chart as well. We'll put, we'll put this up for you. Just check out besotted.co.uk. It's on our Twitter. It'll also be on the feed here as well. Um, so, But we've got Scott Hogan. Then we've got Daniel Bentley, who's next, you know, 125. Then we've got Harley Dean, who is third, 124. You know, John Egan is beside him. So you've got the Dean and Egan combination up there. Maxime Collin as well. So our defence is doing really well. Lewis McLeod is also really high up there in this chart as well. What I thought was quite interesting, and Ryan Woods, who everyone's been waxing lyrical about, who we think is really brilliant, but he kind of was like, we thought, oh, he's actually quite low in this chart because he's, he's featuring about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, at 123, uh, maybe that might be because he had a couple of games which probably weren't as as, as high as some of the games that he's played. Um, Yoan Barbe, I think he's, uh, he's only played one game for Brentford, isn't he? Uh, half a game, and he's properly boom, he's right up there, like you know, in sort of seventh or eighth place, you know. And then it's interesting the players who are actually not sort of kind of just below the radar, KK. Kirch Baumer is at 118, which is below the 120. Sam Saunders is at 119. Philip Hoffman is 120. Um, and Callum Elder is just above it, just 120 in a blip. You know, and Lasse Vibi as well. He's still trying to get into his vibe. is 120 in a bit as well. Josh McEachern is. But this chart is interesting. Well, like I said, we put it up there on this podcast. Look into the uh, description section, and we'll put a little link to it so you can have a little look. And it may not mean anything, but it's just quite interesting, the conversations that we're having around the table here now, and maybe how, you know, some of the players are actually performing, how some of these players have improved, and also how the team, to me, is starting to become more of a team, and we are starting to balance between this attacking and defensive um, and maybe it's taken Dean Smith a bit of a while to kind of get this into play. You know, last season we thought, oh my God, we're being a little bit negative here, this, that, and the other. But now we could see the fact that, you know, against teams we can actually do the defensive thing because we're able to handle it because we've actually got decent defenders. But then afterwards, bang, 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 you've got Scott Hogan just smashing the ball in the back of the net and everybody else, and which is all good. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's difficult to quantify how, how these how these figures have, have, have been sort of like ascertained, but you know, it, it does it does actually help you realise that you know, I, I, it, it's a lot of those numbers in the middle, or some of those some of the players in the middle, it's hard to differentiate how, how who's performing better than the others. But I, I think you know, I think you would definitely know that Hogan's outperforming pretty much anyone else. He's getting he's getting his chances, but. What what really encourages me is that he is definitely definitely given the nod to his supply chain. He has said the way the service that I'm getting, I will score goals. And he was really really angry. I think Sav mentioned it in the last podcast that he said I should have you know I scored two at Brighton. It should have been four. And and he realises that the quality of the quality of service that he's getting means that he should be scoring goals. And the fact that he is, and he's not he's not smashing them in, he's stroking them home, passing them in. We we've got a player there who is capable of finishing at the highest level and is ours. It's interesting and we're gonna talk about um, Cliff Crown who talked about Hogan selling um, or not selling at the moment. But what I also think is quite interesting is because if you any fans they look at Hogan and he does get really angry if he doesn't score a goal, if he messes up, or if he doesn't get the service. 
Now, we've got a, got, got a guy in our team who obviously is very talented. He's a player that everyone would love in their team. He's very, very good, and he can score goals. But obviously, he needs the service. He needs the business and everything like that. Now, the question I'm going to say to you is, I mean, interestingly, I know, um, and this is not a disrespect, we've done really well. We've pulled in some very good players. We've pulled in, you know, your Egans and your, and your, and your Sawyers, and, and, we, but we, and we've finally got in Sully Kai Kai who, who set up a, a goal down at, um, set up a goal at, at Villa he set up the goal at Villa but you know to slowly get into the game but we even acknowledge the fact that we're still a couple of players short of where we should be and Hogan is waving his fist thinking I need a bit more service now as, us, as opposed to us sort of thinking about oh my god is Hogan going to leave I think there may be also another pressure on the team where Hogan's thinking tell you something oh, I'd love to stay here because I think we could go up but you need to bring in maybe a couple of players who are going to service me in the right way so I can score the goals. This is not a disrespect on the players in the pitch, but it's a squad thing. And it's like we need to build the side a little bit more. And maybe there's going to be pressure on the, on the club to be bringing in maybe one or two extra players so that, Sir, that Hogan gets the service that he needs. Let's not get carried away. I mean, Hogan is on a brilliant run of form at the moment, but there will come a period of time when... There will come a period of time when he will, you know, go through a goal-scoring goal drought because it happens to the best of them, you know. I mean, Hogan is playing exactly the way that Andre Gray used, used, to, used to go on, on absolute bursts and then, you know, get really annoyed. Gray, Hogan, to me, demonstrates the same sort of annoyance that Andre Gray used to display about the way that the players, players were going. So, so let's not get carried away. Hogan will go through a dry, a dry spell. The, the problem we have is that there isn't anybody at the moment, I would suggest, who is backing up what Hogan is doing in terms of scoring goals. I mean, we can't rely on Egan and Dean to keep scoring goals when, when Hogan isn't. So let's, let's move forward. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you've been slightly unfair on the, the midfield, the, the people that he's talking about creating these, these opportunities for him. Because someone like Sawyers and McLeod have probably played about eight games each uh, for Brentford. And they've got, there's a time soon where they're going to click. You can see them getting better and better and better and better. And, and with Sully Kaikai, he's played like, what, one and a half games, not even that. So I think, you know, this, this is still developing. And I think that once these players click, and you can see it very early on from Sawyers, he's really doing some interesting stuff, but hasn't clicked with everyone else yet. Once they all start clicking... Those chances are going to start coming even more, even more than these games. And I agree with you. And like I said to you, we said Sawyer's a very clever player. We think that the McLeod, brilliant player. I'm talking about the depth, the strength and depth. And the fact is that if we're going to be going to where we want to go as well, strength and depth, going to get players that get injured, get players that get out, you know, through through yellow cards and stuff like that. And we still need to be having that kind of service going to be empty to us. So we need to kind of broaden it out a little bit, Matt. It's about getting the balance right. Kai Kai has come in and. Um, Although he's probably, you know, he hasn't, you know, run a game or taken the team apart or anything. But what Kai Kai does do is that he keeps the ball moving more quickly than we had been doing in, with the three behind um, Hogan. And um, so he brings, some, he brings a, a, another element of balance, which means that now you can, I think, play Sawyers and McLeod together because Kai Kai is slight, you know, he's a slightly different player to those guys. Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Bill, but let's... let's just sit back and enjoy a month or two. We can't do anything until January anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the scouting goes on and on, um, you know, for all the positions in there. But let's for all the positions in the 
um, in, in the team, you know, during this period, and we don't just suddenly run around in end of December worrying about it. So let's so let's let's sit back and enjoy what we got for the minute. Um, I I think what I've you know we asked. As you say, Hogan scoring. We are scoring from um, set pieces, which we haven't done for a period of time. Um, it's because we've, we've got rid of our set piece coach. Well, e- e- either way, we're scoring from set pieces. That's good news. Um, the Villa, another good piece of good news for the Villa game was that I was starting to think we were hitting treacle if we didn't score first in a game. Um, Villa scored first. We came back, albeit with a set piece. Um, I've, I've, I've for a long time felt that we are. If we score first, we're on the front foot. Teams come at us and we pick them off, which is exactly what we did, you know, arguably against Preston. Um, but the Villa game made me feel a lot better about our ability to come back into a game if the other team scores first and then puts 10 players behind the ball. Because we, because if they put 10 players behind the ball, Hogan will not be as effective. You know, uh, and it's not going to take long for teams to work out that the way to play against Hogan probably is to just play a bit deeper. Um, and not give him the space to get behind them. Uh, so, you know, but when teams are chasing the game, they have to attack, and, you know, Hogan will find space then. So, so they're kind of the keys for me. Kai Kai keeps the ball moving, and, and this now scoring from set pieces. Good stuff. I, I, love, I love that vision of um, Scotty Hogan sitting down with the directors of football and, and, and Scotty Hogan saying, right, I, I want to be here for five years, right? So I want you to find me these players this player here he can provide me with this he can provide me with that um, I just I would love for that to be happening I, I, I doubt that I doubt that is happening um, what I what I love about Scotty Hogan too is that the chances that he's taking and I'm not going to undermine his, his his prowess or his skill here but the three goals and the, 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 the simple the simpler they look sometimes the more complex they are but the three goals that he scored, the third goal was probably the best of the three, but they were actually quite simplistic finishes. He didn't blast them, he didn't, they weren't drilled in from really acute angles, they weren't, um, they didn't, he didn't dribble through eight players and then lob it over the goalkeeper. They were just strokes calmly into the back of the net. The first one in particular, there wasn't even any power behind it. It was just like he just re-diverted a beautiful cross from Sawyer's, a beautiful pass from Sawyer's. Um, the, 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 the second one was a really shitty back pass, um, and he rounded the goalkeeper and stroked it in. And the third one was you know, a lovely, lovely through ball um, from McLeod, I think it was. Um, and then he, he, he dinked it over the goalkeeper. So he... They, 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 they are simple finishes from, from really great moves. So, that, so what, what's really encouraging me and what may encourage him to want to stay is that teamwork is setting up all these chances and he feels part of a successful framework of skill and that's only going to get better. And Sav just mentioned it. Um, um, McLeod and Sawyers have just played a handful of games and, I, and I'm, with, I might, I'm probably with the Liberal on this I'm, long term I'm not quite sure that McLeod and Sawyers can play in the same team but until we know that let, let them evolve let, let us just work this out but we're scoring some, we're scoring some lovely goals now we're not going to score five every week but you know, we know that we can. And that's just by plugging away, continuing to play good football. It's the same ethos that we've been watching for the last four years. It's evolving, um, but we're still playing proactive um, attacking football. And, I, and I'm, I, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it on Saturday. 
very enjoyable playing attacking football, scoring lots of goals. We've got a lot of excitement there. Slightly different to beforehand because, like I said to you, sometimes we're maybe a little bit more uh, reticent, not reticent to go forward, but a little bit safer than we may have been. But Bash, it's almost like we've got the balance right. However, we've got a man up front who's scoring lots of goals. And we talked to Cliff Crown, as you heard on the little clip that we spoke to beforehand, and we asked him, are we going to sell Hogan? Because the thing as fans... Listen. Forget about the, the. You know, we. You know, we understand the the, the, the mechanics and the and all, all this stuff about the, the the finances and stuff. But you know, no, not everyone does. But yeah, some of us do. But then, if we come back to what we're feeling in our heart and hearts, we see a player out there, and we'll say, look, we don't care about the mechanics. We just don't want him to go. We want him to stay. You know, yes, you might be offered ten, twelve million pounds for him, but he's a Brentford player. We want him to stay. How can that happen? Now, Scott Hogan, if he carries on doing what he's doing, in January, people are going to come in for him. There were people sniffing around him, 100%. They were sniffing around him in this last close season, or in the last summer, and uh, nothing came of it. But he's now scoring more goals, so that's going to happen. So we asked Cliff Crown. Cliff Crown said, in my personal opinion, if Brentford are top six, I don't believe we should sell Scott Hogan because the £150 million or whatever we might get, £100 million, is much more than the 10 or 15 million that we might get if we sold him and then we'd have to find someone else. Now, guys, I mean, this sounds great, but in the reality of it now, I mean, where are we at? And it it is really frustrating because when you're a club like us, if we were like, you know, Sheffield Wednesday or something like that, to a certain extent, they can hold on to players like this. But what is it going to take for Scott? I mean, is it going to be him to just turn around and say, listen, my loyalty says... I had a really bad injury and Brentford really took care of me. So I know I might get a load more money in a couple of months' time, but I'm going to go with them in this journey to try and get to the next level because they stuck with me. What, what is it going to take for us to get to that, to, 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 to get a player like this? To, because we can't keep selling these players all the time because at the end of the day, it's just a nightmare. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a turntable all the time, isn't it? Forget the word loyalty. I mean, for better or for worse, um, there is no loyalty in football. And if Scott Hogan gets offered treble his wages um, in the January transfer window by some other team, it's going to be quite hard to get get hold of him. Um, But what I was really encouraged listening to Cliff Crown um, was to hear that for the first time ever, we saw somebody in the hierarchy at Brentford who said... Um, we might be prepared to take a gamble and the gamble is that if we are in the top six they're prepared to gamble quite a lot of money I mean I would suggest you know we ought to be looking for 15 million pound for Hogan at least um, they're prepared no, probably not in December they're prepared wherever they're prepared to gamble 15 million pounds on or losing 15 million pounds on Hogan to keep him over the opportunity of getting 150 million pounds if we go up to the premiership now that was the first time that i think we've heard a senior member of the club prepared to say we're going to gamble on this, but that doesn't take away from Matt's earlier point, which is you hope that our scouting team, who have got a good track record on these things, are at this very minute down in Dover or up in Barrow or somewhere, somewhere around... The, the somewhere, no, 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 it's not the computers, actually. I mean, if you, if you look at it, because they, they, know, they know what the stats look like on computer. They then, then send the people out to, to work at it. So tonight there will be a Brentford scout out watching some game that we don't even know is taking place, hopefully digging up the next Andre Gray, Scotty Hogan. I think with, uh, with Hogan, 
there's there's the actual thing about him wanting to leave. Uh, we've we've got him on contract for a, another year after this one, so there's no great rush to get rid of him. I mean, there's no reason why he doesn't want to. He wouldn't want to stay until the summer. He might want to prefer to leave in the summer if you know if people are sniffing around him. So if we get a 15 million offer, we're in the top six, and he's saying, well, you know, I don't mind hanging around till the end of the season. Uh, because you know he could get an even better deal in because he's so confident about scoring goals. And if we're still feeding him all those opportunities, he's going to score goals. By the end of the season, it's going to be worth even more, and he could pick up an even better contract at probably a bigger club than he would in January. The only thing I would say to that, Sam, is that money there is bigger money spent in the January transfer window than there is in the summer window because clubs are panicking in Jan- in the January transfer window. The, the 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 big spending clubs are panicking. If they need a striker, they're prepared to really throw money at it, and they're prepared to throw wages at it too, far more so than in the summer. I'm afraid you've also got to throw in. I'll call it the hotter and judge conundrum, um, which is if you don't sell. Um, when you can, players can get injured. Players can, you know, other things can happen. And um, especially and ones that have already had quite severe injury problems. Well, that, to be honest, I actually think we're, we. I personally think we're a little bit ahead of ourselves because I know he's scoring goals, but he still has only played 15, um, 15 games. Yeah, fifteen games since he's come back from a year and a half injury. Um, I suspect that will um, count against him in terms of value and what teams are prepared to pay for him not to say there aren't a load of lunatics out there um, that probably maybe won't factor that in uh, but I would imagine they will part, part of me is like finding this really distasteful if I'm really brutally honest with you is that I, I just want to enjoy him um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really necessarily I haven't got personally just, just speaking for myself I haven't got the appetite for for thinking about the next one to leave yet, and because I, I just find, I, you know, but I'm a realist too, and I, I, you can't stick your head in the ground and pretend it's not happening. And you know, every time he knocks a goal in, that's another, it's another little, it's another little meerkat that sticks his head up from another club and goes, "Oh, someone's scoring lots of goals over there. Let's go and have a look at him." Um, and he, he's prolific in a way that it doesn't actually necessarily mean um, too, too much. He's not messy, you know. He, 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 what, what he is is, is you tee him up, he'll, he'll convert it for you. Um, and if you've got, if you've already got a really good midfielder that's with a spluttering forward line, you put him in the mix, and he's, he'll, he'll, he'll get, a, he'll, he'll make you survive. Um, but one other point from that is that you know he he plays a certain way, and if you don't have your team playing that way. Um, you ain't gonna, you can't fit him in and expect him to score goals. You know he is at the moment uh, one trick pony isn't what I mean, but he he has a way of playing. And 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 it's and, and and we are playing to those strengths. Now whether you know all the clubs will see this or consider this, there may be clubs that will look at him and say, well, to be honest, the way we like to play, unless we're gonna you know rebuild our team, we can't. We're not gonna get the best out of him anyway. Back to the almost like the Alan Judge and an and Ireland argument. So he's a great player for us, but you put him in the wrong structured team, he's not going to be as effective, you know. And, and let's let's call it out, you know. Bristol Bristol City were looking at looking at him, um, and but would would he have worked there necessarily? Would he want to go there? Vardy in England is is another reasonable example of that. 
is that the, you know the way England play was not to Vardy's strengths, even though they throw him in. You know, you 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 have to if you, with England you needed the you needed the you needed the props that go with it. You know, the, the supply line. Um, unless you're going to buy McLeod and and Sawyer's with it and put a bid in for forty million. Um, you know, you're only you're going to get one part of a successful set, set up. You know, and and Hogan is, I would say, his best place to stay exactly where he is and become Brentford's Gary Lineker. And, it's, and again, we've said this before. It's best you know, you know, you're in a setup that you know. We've seen it so many times before, where players come and they have played for a team and they look really brilliant. You take them out of that team, put them somewhere else, and they look like a fish out of water. And it's not a disrespect to the player themselves, but sometimes the sum of the elements is much better than the individuals themselves when they actually take themselves out of it. That's not a disrespect to Rock Hogan because he's great, but in the setup that he's got at the moment now, it works. So maybe for a couple of years, he needs to carry on doing his business. Final comment from me is that actually probably we've spoken a lot about Hogan. Probably the big money will come in the winter transfer break for Woods. I think I think it's been said. There's probably four players within this team that could probably reach 10 million at the moment. Who are? I, I, I would say Bentley, Woods, Hogan, and um, Colin. So, so that's the thing that we got. We got. Uh, and, and as we said in the, in the package that was there earlier when we talked about it there's a lot of quality within the Brentford side at the moment now um, a lot of people and we've got to say Manners you know coating off the scouting and what they've done but at the end of the day within a very short space of time there has been a lot of quality being created within this side with players or been brought up or they've been, they've been brought through and uh, people you know it's, it's easy for people to slag it off but also you've got, you've got to tip you know you've got to tip your hat you've got to a living you've got to, you've got to tip your hats as well right it's not being up anybody's ass, but you've got to tip your hat and say it's fair enough You've, you've sorted it out, that's all good. You know, that was a bit rubbish, that was a bit rubbish. But at the end of the day, you can't get everything else right. But the fact is that they're not some... You look, And we're going to talk about this in a bit. We've been looking around at what the other teams have been saying, You're big teams with big money, and not be funny, there's a lot of griping going on, and there's a lot of people that would love to be in the position that we are in the moment now, doing what we're doing, found a lot of the players and doing the business now. But anyway, nice little segue there, as we're going to go into talking about the rest of the league, because we've been looking around... The leagues, we're doing fairly well at the moment. Now, Brentford, we're in the top six. But even your top six, you've got to look at your rivals, see what they're doing, see what they're saying, see what the fans are saying. What the fans are saying is normally true to the bone. So we've had to be looking around on the social networks, we've been looking around on the forums to find out what these teams like Huddersfield and Fulham and Wednesday, Newcastle, all that lot have been saying about their team. So fans forum a couple of months ago, and Phil Charles went, and, and, and also Dean Smith, he's guilty of this as well. As they, they pointed out a couple of weeks ago, he said, Brentford, top six. And we went, oh, God, no pressure there, mate. But here we are, sort of mid-September, towards the end of September, and we are top six. And I think a lot of fans are very surprised because, again, if you check out our pre-season fans blog that we did where we asked everyone to put forward to say exactly where Brentford don't finish most people pinned us between probably about 10th and 14th a couple of people I think Jim Levesque put us in at 4th I put us in at 6th but then afterwards I did tack back and say maybe 10th a little bit later because when I saw our start but that was it but most people to be fair were a little bit more laid back in where they thought Brentford were going to be they thought this is a consolidating season so we're going to be between sort of kind of 10th and 14th so we're in 6th place 
That may change in a couple of days, but it doesn't really matter. When you're in this position, what you just end up doing, you start looking around thinking, oh, where is everybody else at? What they're doing? What are their fans thinking? So we thought, as a little besotted crew, we're going to have a little sniff around on the forums, on the social networks of all our little opposing teams and see what their fans have to say. Because we've got particular views and we think that sometimes things are terrible in our camp and things are rosy in our camp. But it's only when you start looking in other camps you see that maybe things aren't necessarily so bad or so good in your camp. So having a look around and I know that Huddersfield Town, who we played at the beginning of the season, we like Huddersfield, all right? They give us a good day out, they do as well. And uh, they've got the Wagner revolution going on. Their German manager, Mate Klopp, who's doing very well for them at the moment now. And uh, Holloway predicted them to be in the relegation zone with us. And he's got it completely wrong because we're both in the promotion zones at the moment now. Laney, you've been having a look around the Huddersfield forums. What are they saying over there? Yeah, a little sniff around the old Huddersfield. A sniff around like, like terriers do. Um... They're obviously clearly quite happy. Um, they, they're very much enjoying this Wagner revolution. And I, and I tucked into a bit of uh, podcast action uh, this morning, in fact. It was uh, a podcast called Thrice Champions. Um, very slick, very, very well produced. Better than this fodder that you're listening to now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like going through it in bu- bullet points, you know, Still, still very delighted that they were given the opportunity of tucking into some cheap season tickets. Uh, How much were their season tickets? Um, Thirty-five pence for the whole season. Um, the only, I mean, obviously, they, none, none, no, no one on the podcast and no one looking through the uh, forums was expecting them to be top of the league. Um, I think you know that uh, Wagner has instilled this new sense of uh, fitness, this regime. He took them off to Sweden, he took them off to Germany. They they had a bonding session. He bought a lot of German players. Um, Sounds like Uwe Rosler. Schneidling. They, they, I tell you what, there, there are a lot of similarities between Huddersfield and Brentford last season, where they brought in a lot of players. F- for in their favour, they got them to gel quickly. Um, Dykhausen could. You know, it was a failed project. We've got a lot of continentals in, and they didn't gel. Um, we're, 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 we're making the benefits of that now, but they're, they're actually at the top of this division. I, I don't think they're personally going to stay there. But what, what made me laugh, though, listening to the comments that they're, that they're saying that they're hearing around the terraces still, or the seats, they're still hearing, although like, Wagner's getting them to play this like intelligent, passing, patient football like we're seeing now, they're still getting the, the... I hear this on the Eden Road all the time. Get it forward, punt it long, get the ball in the mixer. They're, they're getting all of that. And I think it's um, an evolution and, and, and the fans are being educated that into, you know, to, if you're going to get successful football, you're going to have to get intelligent players. And, you know, they're just not going to lump it long. They're going to want to... They want to play triangles and intricate passing football. Um, they're saying that there's a hard graph, there's a real work ethic going on through that club. Um, work, work for success. Don't we know that uh, Wagner said we work for success, we don't buy success, and that's another another Brentford um, another Brentford analogy is when Cliff Crown said that like money is not our god. Um, you know, we we are going to do things the right way, and that's that's not like that's not you know 
praising the, you know, the chairman or anything, but that's, that's a pretty good ethos to have. You know, we're not going to buy success; we're going to work for success. Um, and you know, and I, and I think that the Huddersfield experience, the Huddersfield, I, as I said, I don't think it's going to last in the same way as Brighton didn't last, Reading didn't last last year. Huddersfield won't finish top. They will have a really good season in the way that we did when we finished fifth in that first season up. And I, and I think they'll grow from there. They're in a really good place. They're doing things the right way. Um, my, little, um, my little sort of um, uh, dip into Huddersfield territory today was an enjoyable one. I thought the podcast was excellent. I thought the vibe around the club was excellent. The only real gripe, and it did make me laugh, was that in their north stand where Brentford fans were in that first game of the season? And, and their fans are as well. But yeah, their fans are. They're trying to they're trying to replicate this Crystal Palace um, ultra thing, um, and they're saying that the fans and the players are over celebrating their victories. Huddersfield, for for although they're the top of the division, they've only won by a single goal in every single game. There's only been a goal either way in every single game, so there's very slim margins going on up there. Sounds like Borough. It's very like Borough, but we are doing it better. We've got more expansive football. We are scoring more goals than them. And, um, you know, good luck to them. Good luck to them, mate. Good luck to Borough. Uh, sorry, to Borough, to Huddersfield. Good luck to Borough. Where, where are Borough? I've got no idea where they are. They're somewhere up north. Uh, sorry, sorry. Thrice champions, very good podcast. Very much enjoyed it. Fry's Champions, Huddersfield, are a yeah, beer, and, beer and wine festival and food festival, excellent up there. Doing a away game at Huddersfield is absolutely brilliant. But we're coming to f- our local rivals here now, Fulham. Fulham. Fulham had a terrible season last season and the season before, terrible season. But this season they seem to have sorted themselves out a little bit as well, haven't they? I think the core of their team was a defence. Their defence was terrible. They're letting in goals left, right and centre. But they seem to be sorting out the core, just like we have with the defence now. And they're working forward from that. But Sav's been checking out the, the Fulham forums, the socials. What's been going on in Fulham, Sav? Right, well, I've, I've used two sources. One of them is my cousin, who's a lifelong Fulham fan. And the other one is the independent Fulham forum called TIFF which is bloody awful to, to look at. It's just one of those really old-school forums with loads of thread things and links and stuff. It's, it's a right pain to get through. So uh, rather than worry, worry too much about that, I just printed the whole bloody thing out and started reading it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got reams in front of me. <laughs> but uh, but um, uh, one thing I really wanted to know, and I asked my cousin this, was, um, was oh, you know, for Brentford fans, how is Button getting on? And uh, it seems that they actually like Button, and most most Fulham fans now have decided that Button is a, a better option than Bettinelli, because uh, when he first came, they weren't so sure. Bettinelli, yeah. Yeah, so so Bettinelli is better than Bettinelli. Uh, so uh, so that was good. Um, but obviously, the big thing that's happened is that they've lost their goals. They've lost McCormack and Dembele, and uh, oh, what a shame! Never mind. Yeah, but uh, but they're, they're also seeing some progress. And they, they quite like what they, who they call Jock. They call him Jock, their manager. Is it Djokanovic, is it? Djokanovic? Yeah. The fellow that got yeah. uh, Watford up. Yeah. yeah. And they, they call him Jock. But they've they actually seen some good work there. Some, and they think it's in progress. And he obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're actually thinking now, possible top six. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. I mean, any phrases on the forums or anything like that? Yeah. Any words? Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they were they, basically what they've noticed now is that he started at the back. In, in a way, you saw what um, 
what we've seen at Brentford a bit more is that it's sorted out the defence. Uh, uh, but some people have said, uh, as a really nice quote, said, well, yeah, but I miss having Kit in charge and having five plus goals per game, which I thought was quite a nice, nice quote. On a Friday night, no yeah. Way. And uh, somebody else pointed out that we had a total of four clean sheets all last season, and we've had three clean sheets after eight games this season already. Which again, I think, is something that Matt said about about Brentford that we're actually seeing a lot of clean sheets. So they're very much starting from the back. And uh, there was another quote: "Yeah, but it's still boring to watch, though. Loads of possession." going nowhere doesn't win you matches which I think is, is a good point but what I, did, what I didn't realise is that they, they're actually not that happy with the owner, uh, Khan and because uh, some, some, something that Khan's come out with is a, a little phrase that sort of really, has really hit home and you see it a lot on their forums, is no net spend, so Khan has actually come out and said no net spend so if we sell someone for 8 million, we can spend the 8 million but no more so that's quite, it's quite interesting to see what they've done. But on the whole, they're a lot happier than last season. But there's still people saying a bit of football's not as exciting. I was going to say two points from that. One, if they're building from the back, perhaps you know, perhaps they'll, they'll be looking at Harley Dean for a transfer in January. Um, but also the Khan bit, it's interesting because the other sport I'm quite interested in is national football, uh, American football. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, which are also owned by uh, Khan, have the fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars are complaining exactly the same thing about Khan not spending money that he won't recoup in other ways. So it's quite interesting, the similarities between the two. Obviously, he's the, the business, his, his, his business strategy is what he's thinking about. Coming down to the next thing, which is QPR, which is actually myself, and I've been looking around the QPR forums and I've been talking to the QPR podcast guys as well. You know, so Bill, Bill, I understand that you've been looking around the QPR podcasts and shit. I have been actually. It's funny you should say that, but yes, I've been looking around the QPR podcast <laughs> and shit as well. And it's got to be said that um, QPR fans are not happy at all. And this isn't just necessarily just from the 6-0 defeat, which is obviously like knocked them for six. There's been a lot of unhappiness. It's going around for a while. Um, it's interestingly, because if you talk about them, there's actually a slight complacency with the QPR fans because some, they think that because there are some poor teams in the division, there is no way that they will go down. So they know that they're bad, but they're thinking, no, we're not as bad as to go down. And we know that, you know, Wigan did that a couple of seasons ago, even with their parachute money. They thought, oh, no, you know, we're never going to go down. And they, they did. So they've got to be a little bit careful about that. The fans are not happy with Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. There's a, the poll that's gone out to say how long, you know, does Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank need to pull things around? 20% said give him no time, 30% said three to four matches, and 25% till end of season to December. So basically 55% said basically he's got three to four matches between now and three to four matches to put it around. But, so he's not been in a job a year yet, so, you know, surely they, they, they've seen that, he's, that there's some sort of rebuilding new direction going on there. Is there no more patience? I mean, I thought that again, and you look at that, and I believe that if you bring a, pl- a manager in, you should give him time and patience, but no, um, because... There's a number of reasons why they're into it. They feel that um, ta- they think that tactically he's inept. Um, he keeps on playing wrong players in the wrong positions. To be fair, apparently they've got a number of injuries, so it doesn't really help them. Um, they think that he's a bit arrogant and he's a bit stubborn. 
Um, also, obviously, Chris Ramsey, they sort of paid respect to him to a certain extent, but he's the worst manager for a while. He earned 1.27 points per game, and now Jimmy is actually 1.26 points per game. So officially, he's actually worse than Ramsey. So they're actually not kind of happy with him, you know. Um, they said that, you know, he's been questioned by the media, you know, to see if he gets it wrong, and, um, and, and, and does he deserve to be sacked? Um, and then they go into lots of different tactics. I mean, Carl Henry, for a start, is one player who they're not happy about, but he apparently insists on playing him in, in, in the team, and it, it's not going right. They're also talking about the fact that he plays a particular style. You know, it sounds great to us. He plays his attacking style where he puts two wingers in there. He's got a number 10, and he plays his attacking style of football, and it's not working. And also he's got the wingbacks, which aren't playing as wingbacks. So you've got, like, Bidwell, apparently he's not going as far forward as what he was doing for Brentford, you know. So you've got polls out there where QPR fans are actually asking, who do you think the next QPR manager will be? And that, so it's really good news coming out of Loftus Road from all Brentford fans. Well, it might be bad news for us because the way it's going, and, and if it goes the way it is, to be quite honest with you, he probably won't be in, in a job by the time we get there. Steve Bruce um, features quite highly. Walnut, Walnut, no, there's no mention of Warburton at all. Walnut features uh, really highly as well. Um, somebody talked about Chris, somebody else said Chris Kamara. Um, <laughs> somebody said Villas Boas, like you know, and then uh, yeah, um, which is interesting. Paul Clement as well was featuring a couple of people, and also McLaren was one of the people that they said, but um, was Steve McLaren. But interestingly, Steve McLaren has actually done a university. He's actually at Manchester Metropolitan University doing a degree in sporting directorship because he now says that he wants to own a club. So Steve McLaren may be out of the old football managership for a couple of years because he's decided he wants to go up the next level. I wish anything better of Steve McLaren than Queen's Park Rangers. I'll, I'd go buy a, a, an umbrella from the Queen's Park Rangers shop for McLaren old over his head. It would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the start. So there's, there's, it's, it's not good vibes happening at QPR at the moment now. And the one other thing I'll say to you is that, interestingly, Tony Fernandez obviously put a lot of money into the club, but, I mean, I think, to me, Tony Fernandez, he's been a bit naive and he's had, like, you know, people come in and basically they've they've taken his money and they've spent it massively you know Um, well they've said Fernandes and Ferdinand is still about yes Um, and the fans are actually not happy with Fernandes because they're saying that he promised them the world and he hasn't delivered and also they're saying that if Jimmy Floyd Hasselbaugh goes a lot of the fans are also saying take Les Ferdinand with you as well so there's a lot of bad vibes happening at QPR at the moment now you know, so uh, so that's the score. But anyway, we're coming on to QPR and we're moving on to uh, the next team that we're looking at is, um, well, who's next in the list? It's actually Sheffield Wednesday, who were in the playoffs last season, but they're faltering at the moment now, not doing as well as they could do. Is that a temporary thing or is it something that they'll be able to sort out in a couple of weeks? Um, so, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that direct question, but... They're, they're sitting in 14th place, um, which is, but that is 11 points, which is only, it's only one win behind us actually in fifth. So, I, I, it's, 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 it's possibly the old playoff hangover, but, but I also think, uh, I think a little bit too early to go into absolute complete panic mode. And, um, and they're not, they're not in complete panic mode, but they are, 
There, there is some undercurrent of issues that they've identified. However, this week they had a few more important things to talk about, it would appear, on the forum. I looked at Al's talk, and when I looked, um, the, 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 the top thing on the forum actually was the, was the half-time, I'm going to call it hijinks, um, at Birmingham, where, where um, I think, I think um, they managed to drag down the point-of-sale hoardings in the, um, during half-time um, in the... In, uh, in the, within the ground, in the um, what do you call it, under the stand. Um, yeah, it wasn't the toilets, but they sort of they didn't smash the bar up, but they they pulled the hoardings down, and that, that that's upset a lot of people um, on the um, on the on Al's talk. Um, there people calling for banning orders and all sorts um, of stuff going on there. And the other thing is, is that um, one of their players, Jeremy Halan, is it Halan? Um, he's um, it's been reported. I don't think anyone's confirmed it yet, but it's been reported by the press that he's quitting football for religion at the age of 24. So, um, which, which religion? Uh, football. <laughs> yeah, the, the religion of football. Um, I, I, it was Islam. He's a, he's a Muslim. And um, and yeah, and it would appear that he's um, he's he's going to you know take his religion more seriously and and give up football. So so there's a few not getting political here, but then people will make assumptions now that the things that he's going to do. But we won't talk about that anyway because we know that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I just I was just pointing out he was he was taking up religion. I wasn't really you know. No, no, this is not a go. Yeah, I'm just saying that people do make assumptions. Well, exactly. We all know. I mean, obviously, obviously there are there are the you know there are some there are some obvious comments um, on the on the forum about that but that so that's the stuff you know away from the pitch when it comes to the pitch um, or what's going on on the pitch why aren't they why aren't they um, why aren't they doing what they did last year um, there's a there's a bit of discussion about whether the manager should go um, so I'm questioning that um, which you know and we all know how mad the championship and the manager is Carlos Carvajal, the Spanish, yeah, the Portuguese. He's only been in a season as well. Yeah, exactly, and he did very well last season, so so that's, that does seem a little bit early for that. Um, but they are complaining that he's got no plan B. Anyone, anyone remember that? <laughs> um, so, so that's quite interesting. Um, the, the, the other thing, and I, and I drew another Brentford comparison here, is that if we move on from the moaning about the manager, the, the, the next thing they're moaning about is the, is the formation. And I'll, and I'll come to, to it a little bit, but I'll go to the detail first. It's the centre-back partnership of Kieran Lake and Barry Bannon, apparently. Um, you know, neither of them can win the ball. Um, so I, I think they've got the I think they've got the Woods McCracken um, uh, issue going on there at the moment. So there's lots of debates there about who should who should come into the midfield because um, they're, they're basically too lightweight when they play together. Good with the ball, but don't but don't win it back is 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 the argument. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that, that that's kind of interesting. It does take me back to that whole debate we had um, a few months ago. Um, there's there's a couple of solutions being muted. Um, one is um, that Alman Abdi should come in and play in the middle, um, and the other one I didn't even open this one. It just said Barton is the answer. That was one of the. Um, that was, uh, the Barton, Jerry Barton is the answer apparently. Um, What's the question? And, and, the, and the other and the other thing I thought was interesting. It appears they're playing four four two now, um, but there's so, so two other things on the forum. One just the title of it was four two three one, and no one seems to like that idea. They they want to they want to play four four two. Uh, and then there was another one that was just said three five two, which was another forum. Given Forestieri now, um, do you know that they seem to want him in the team? He appeared in most people's lineup, so I'm guessing they have. I suppose when you're lining 14th 
with 11 points, you just move on and try and um, garner as many points. When I spoke to my Wednesday posse, and they definitely forgave him, and they said to him, oh, it's not his fault, because like, you know, you wanted to get the same wage as somebody else who's bought in, and he kind of did what he did, and maybe he's a bit silly, but that was fine. So it was like, you know, a difference to us um, with the old Tarkovsky or whatever situation, and I think maybe basically because he's the one that scored loads of goals, and they thought, hey, let's just forget that. Maybe if he was a defender, it might be a different situation. Yeah, I yeah I, I haven't picked up that there's a continuing sort of you know anti him vibe going on. But I think I think the most I think you know that they kind of typify a team that that almost cracked it last season. Now they're struggling, and now the fans and you can see in various elements. You know now the fans are starting to inwardly turn a little bit on each other over the half time stuff. Like last season, <laughs> and I guess this is what happens. Yeah, I think from an outsider's point of view, I'm really surprised that Abdi doesn't start. I mean, that's a real shock to me, because when he came on against us, he turned their the performance around completely. And he's a really top player. So um, that's a fantastic squad, if, they, if, they don't, if he don't start. So Abdi, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think that there is this sort of... There, there's definitely an under... There's something there that isn't quite right. And it does... It, to be honest, it feels a bit like, to me, as I said, what we were talking about, you know, January, February time. Um, I think it would it, be interesting to see if they do click and, and what happens when they click. Whether they just go, you know... Because I think, I think I'm looking at the league and thinking Newcastle are, are, are looking ridiculously strong, although they lost on Saturday, so maybe they're going to have their days. And then I'm looking at who's, who's the sort of the, the next. It is, it's still early, isn't it? When you think you're sitting in 14-3, but you're three points out of the playoffs. I think you also find that some players they really, really vary from one game to the next. You know, this this um, Simon Machianek that, that played for played for Preston against us on on Saturday. He looked he looks kind of very, very average. But then he scored a hat trick last night for, against Bournemouth. So you know, I think I think some of these players can be really brilliant on their day and really average on their next. And I, maybe that's why they're in the championship. Yeah, I mean. I, I think that's probably right, and there are, there are some players as well. I think who who come to us and underestimate us and let you know think, oh, it's only Brentford, therefore I only need to play at ninety percent of my ability. You know, we'll still beat them. Long may that last. And long may it last. Wednesday, let's see. Will they get back into the playoffs? They were very, very, very confident when we spoke to them at the beginning of the season. Brentford they said that are the greatest team. And no one can deny no, it. No one no can. One. No one can deny it. Brentford are the greatest team. No one can deny it. another absolutely fantastic chant. Which, because we've been talking so much, we might actually have to come on to this next week. So we're going to boost this into next week's podcast. We'll talk about that later. But you know, Wednesday, let's see how they get on. But Nick's been talking to or oh, looking around at what's happening at the top of the league with a team who spent about three billion pounds trying to get back into the Premier League. Newcastle United. Yeah, I mean, actually, they haven't they haven't spent that much money. They haven't spent as much money as Villa, for instance. And I think it was quite interesting to contrast Newcastle fans' attitude with with what we saw from the Villa fans talking about Brentford last week. You know, Newcastle fans seem to be enjoying it in the Championship this season. Um, there doesn't seem to be the arrogance about them that I think the Villa fans were displaying. Um, I mean, Benitez um, had a good quote after they lost to. Uh, Wolves at uh, this uh, on Saturday is he said that uh, we are now the head of the head of the mouse 
uh, not the tail of the lion. And I think that was a really perceptive quote. And, you know, love him or hate him, and I actually quite like Benitez. I think that, you know, he deserves a lot of respect. He's been a successful manager. Um, I full credit to him for having stayed at Newcastle, um, and at least for the time being. I mean, he's, yes, he's getting paid a lot of money. Sav is, uh, Sav is waving the cash sign at me, and that's right. He is getting a lot of money for it. But, but, but credit to him. You know, I think he could have taken any other job in a lot of other jobs in Europe, but decided to stay in the northeast and do it. The fans themselves um, are the only criticism they have of Benitez, and it's a, it's a minor rumblings, is that he is changing the team. He doesn't play the same team week in, week out. His argument for that is that, and one backed up by the mag, and if you want to look for a really good Newcastle blog um, and podcast, and they do all sorts of stuff, is it's called the mag. Just Google it, Newcastle the mag. Really, really decent, decent reading about what's going on up there. Um, but they're saying that, you know, Benitez has woken up to the fact that the championship is a slog it's not like the premiership you know there are extra games in the championship they are keen as well to do to do well in at least one of the cups so the beating last night of wolves in the efl cup was was well received by the fans there but um my final comment is that newcastle currently are riding third with 15 points brentford are six with 14 points shows you how tight this, this league is going to be. I'm really looking forward to our trip up to Newcastle. I think it'll be a good day out in all sorts of... Well, good weekend out, actually, in my case. I don't know about the others around this table. Um, but uh, uh, the one flair, danger player we have to look out for is Gufron, who apparently is absolutely ripping up the place now. Um, Benitez dropped him at the beginning of the season, which apparently served as a real wake-up call to this guy and he is now tearing the, tearing, tearing the place up they're all getting behind him they, they say uh, one quote was Gufron it's like watching the early days of David Ginola so Newcastle sounds quite exciting we've already sold 2,000 tickets for there we'll probably take about 2,500 fans up to Newcastle it is a long way but a lot of people have planned it for a weekend so it'll be a good laugh and it'll be good to see where Newcastle stay because they were absolutely hot favourites and uh, they didn't expect Huddersfield to be up there in their place and now they're going to displace them I mean they're just going to have to start winning a few more games and not losing against teams like Wolves who we're playing on Saturday the one thing I would say though is that there are a lot of Newcastle fans who put a severe amount of money before the season started you could get 10 to 1 on Newcastle getting over 100 points this season there are a few Newcastle there, there are a few mutterings on a few of the forums about whether they'll see a return on that money my prediction is they will I said it in the in the pre-season podcast they get over 100 points I think they will do it well that, that will teach them anyway and then just coming back to the last time we're going to talk about again and I had a little peep around at Derby County really wanted to look at Derby County because obviously Derby County were right up there in the playoff zone Last season, but now they're absolutely floundering pretty much near the, the relegation zone. And interesting because they've got the manager, Nigel Pearson, who was at Leicester, did very well with Leicester, and he was touted to go to Aston Villa um, with um, Chris Powell, who was uh, at Huddersfield. Now, I, I didn't know until I actually read the, the forum here that Chris Powell had actually moved to Derby County. So Pearson and, and Powell are at Derby County, and Chris Powell, I say that because I speak to him quite a lot, and I haven't spoken to him for about a month and a half, or two months maybe, or actually maybe in the middle of the summer, and I didn't realise that he actually went there. So fair play to him. But it's interesting because they were already not happy, the Derby fans. They had a poll, and the poll was, why are we terrible? 
and 23% was Nigel Pearson, 70% of the players are crap, 40% Paul, Paul Clement in a tracksuit, which is obviously Pearson. 11% Pearson was good at Leicester, so exempt from criticism. 11% is the long-term effects of Chris Martin, the squad. 10% players desperately want to stay in the championship as they will lose their jobs if they're promoted. So um, the, the Derby... The, the, the Derby... It's saying they want to not go up. Yeah, that's right. They don't want to go up. They don't want to go up. They don't want to go up because... No, they don't want to go up. No, they don't want to go up at all. No, 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 we don't want to go up. because. So, But the, the, the long and the short of it is that Derby County can't score goals. And... Um, a lot of the fans are basically asking, should, should Pearson be shown the door? He's, he's not been in for hardly any time. It, it seems that the feeling is that he should be given a little bit more time, you know. And, uh, and it was interesting, a lot feel that this is a transition season. Um, the amount of money that Derby has sent, spent for them to think it's a transition season is quite interesting. Um, what's happened is that the feeling is that Derby used to play a passing game. So they played a passing game against Clough, with McLaren, with Clement and with Wassell to a certain extent, and it didn't work. So now they're actually trying to change them to being a team that actually plays more direct football. And what's happened is that because the players are used to, say, passing the ball around in the midfield and not actually getting anywhere, they're really struggling with playing this direct game. The fans are sort of saying maybe Clement needs, um, 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 Pearson needs to be given a little bit more time to bed this into them. So, um, so that's interesting. They, they, uh, sorry. Uh, I think we ought to show a bit of love to Derby County, though, and congratulate them on the uh, ticket price for uh, our, 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 our game up there. They're charging £16.50 for, se- for Brentford season ticket holders, which, you know, full credit to them. And, you know, given what we go on and bang on about ticket prices at other places, I think a big up to Derby for £16.50 for a Brentford season ticket holder to go and watch them. Yeah, yes, it's on a Tuesday night, but, you know, I'll be there and several... I'll, I'll go to that one. Yeah, yeah so it's great. Yeah. So sixteen fifty fair and nine pound fifty for juniors, I think, and seniors for that game. And the coaches are free, so it's actually a, a cheap game to go to. And if things remain as they are as well, it could be quite an interesting game to go to as well. Um, a few other little points about that: fans are actually starting to realise at Derby they've been overpaying for players, so they've turned around and said, "Ince, Butterfield, Johnson." They were they're significantly overpriced. They said. I'm not, they didn't even mention Darren Bent, so I'm not even sure what the scenario. They talked about the character called Wellman. He said, said he's a type of player that you could probably find in the lower leagues. Busy with fast, he's fast with little end product. And they said that Blackman, who they obviously got for Reading for quite a lot of money, he was a signing that he didn't need to make. But they said on the plus hand, they've got Kamara, who's quite decent, and Anya looks a decent threat, and Vidra should do well in a, interestingly, a 4 4 2 scenario. So, like, you know what I'm saying? So, that, that is where Derby are at the moment now. So, Again, for me, when I looked around on their message board, the amount of money that they've spent, they've put into it, they've got these players that are getting 50 grand a week and 35 grand, 40 grand a week. And now they're... Bent was on 50 grand a week and Ince was on 35 grand a week, if I remember rightly. Right? Right. And then we've got people moaning about what we're doing here. Listen, we're, we're doing all right. They're quite happy to be consolidating now with these players that they've got in their side. So all I'm just trying to say is that it was quite interesting to have a little look around what's going on with the other teams because it gives us a little bit of a perk up. You know, we're still not quite there, but we're still moving in the right direction. Sev, I just want to ask you a quick question about Derby. Um, what, what do they think about losing Chris Martin to Fulham? It's interesting because uh, one of the comments on the, one of the message boards is that um, maybe we can do with... Uh, uh, we, we're not scoring any goals, so maybe we can do with a striker. Maybe that Chris Martin from Fulham actually might be a good player that we could have. You know, so... Uh, so I got a quote from the, the Fulham blogs and uh, they said 
Well, replacing 40 goals with an overweight and out of form striker was criminal. So they, that, really sounds, that sounds like they're describing Ross McCormack to me. Yeah. 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 But, 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 I, thought, I thought he was the perfect replacement. But on the, but on the flip side of that, like I said to you in the poll that they did, is that they said that you know, 11% of the people said that the reason why they're terrible were the long-term effects of Chris Martin in the squad. So maybe they felt that having him in the squad for so long has, has, has stopped them from developing in a particular type of way because they were relying on him so much. Yeah, uh, a really fat, overweight player, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> but anyway, this is a little bit of a summary and a sum-up of the leagues, and we know where we're going to now as we're going into the Wolves game, which we're going to talk about in just one moment. Saturday, the train up north, or to the Midlands. Wolverhampton Wanderers is the Black destination. Country. The Black Country. Um, <laughs> indeed. It's... It's an interesting place to go to, um, and we've been there for the last three or four seasons now. Interestingly, they keep on they keep on fractionally putting up their prices every season. Every time we've got teams, we just congratulated Derby for sixteen pound fifty, but Wolves have been edging their prices up. They're now thirty quid, which isn't the best. You know, they're at the top of our wall of shame. Them and Brighton at the top of the wall of shame for uh, the, 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 the the expensive prices for games this season, and it's not the best ground to go to you've got this little strip on the side I'm not selling it to you are I little strip on the side and you know they tell you to sit down the stewards and it's all a bit rubbish up there but because we're loyal we're going to go out there anyway drink in a pub with a tree just research pub with a tree in the walls we'll be in there as well but that's a bit of a laugh but look we're going to play walls um, they've had a load of money injected to them they've got a businessman that's taken over I think is it from China from the far east loads of money being put into them and they've bought players for loads of money as well we were hoping to get a Wolves fan on, but they've struggled because they've had some sort of struggling going on in Wolverhampton. No problem, we'll just talk about it ourselves. They're in 10th place, 12 points. Just a couple of places behind us. Um, they're two points behind Brentford. We're six on 14 points. But they're, at the same time, they're three points off Burton in 17. So it's all a bit tight in this league as well. Had a decent run, beat Reading, beat Birmingham. They lost to Huddersfield, but you know everyone's losing to Huddersfield nowadays. They also lost to Barnsley. They were bashed up by Barnsley recently at home. But then, uh, like I said to you, they beat Newcastle as well. They drew to Rotherham, Ipswich and Burton. So, you know, they've had an OK run. You know, they've got Brentford, they've got, after us, they've got Wigan, they've got Norwich and they've got Villa. So, you know, let's see how it goes for them. But Wolverhampton Wanderers, we went up there, I think, last season. It was a, it was a midweek game as well. We've played them a lot, haven't we? We've, we've played, they, they came up with us. Um, so we've, we've played them every season for the last three or four. We, we've had... We've had well-deserved wins, we've had well-deserved defeats and we've had a couple of draws and we've had a very, very lucky defeat there as well. I'm still kind of slightly scarred by that Andre Gray miss in the last minute. Um, we sh- we should, well, I think we lost that game, it should have been a draw. Um, so, you know, for, for everyone that thinks Andre Gray never, ever missed a chance for Brentford, he... he Just have a look at the forums, he, the back of the forums and everyone was slating him off for missing loads. Absolute sitter that day. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I've I've got really good memories about Molyneux. My first ever trip to Molyneux was uh, back in the first time that we went up to this division in 1992-93, I guess it was. We won, I think we won four-one, and it was. Um, I went up with I went up with there with Nick. I went up with Nick Hester in his car, and we, I think we both got punched outside the grounds that day by um, by some by some fans that weren't happy that little old Brentford. Little old Brentford had gone out at the audacity to. Steve Ball was playing that that game, wasn't he? Uh, I think it was. I think that was after Steve Ball. Did you deserve it? No, we didn't deserve it. 
No, no, no. I think I think I was after Steve Ball to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know who was playing. For I, went, I went the game as well. I can't. I can remember being the side and the loads of fans. But I can't remember anything. Oh no, beyond the goal, I think we were, weren't we? Yeah, I, I think I think some some cold drinks had been consumed. Yes. And I remember the Subway Army. You had to go through the subways coming out after the game, and I remember that that Subway Army thing that Gary was going Newman, on in there. Yeah, was yeah. Gary Newman. Was anyway, we, we'll go on to that. Um, um, but score prediction, Laney. Two uh, one Brentford. Savvy B. Yeah, uh, I've enjoyed our tussles with uh, Wolves recently. Um, their, their fans do bloody annoy me, though. I don't know if it's the uh, so it's, it's that part of the West Midlands Wolves and Walsall where they really sort of just just moan a lot and they have this sort of sense of entitlement and, and they just they're just a bit annoying. Uh, but that's fair enough. I mean, fans do that, and uh, you know I won't hold it against them. But I have enjoyed some of the, the games we played uh, against them. I think we've been unlucky a couple of times. We've we turned them over last season beautifully at Scriffin Park. That 3 0 was, was really fantastic. McEachran's best ever game for Brentford. Ran the show. Uh, we were superb that night. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm quietly confident because I think we're playing well and I think we're playing well away from home as well. So, I've got a feeling of a. I think we might go for the nil. We've been doing lots of nils recently. And I think we'll get one or two. So, I'll go for 2 0. Uh, Matt, uh, actually, I'm going to say before we say Matt as well. I've got the Wolves. I've got the Villa score directly. Well, I've got one all as well for the Villa score, so I'm right up there as well. And I think before that, I've got another score. And I think the Preston. I've got loads of scores right, so I'm top of the league. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> so, yeah, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so there you go, Matt. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with Wolves um, for all manners of things. Um, uh, just we, you know, with the recent takeover. Um, um, and one of one of it is Walter Zenger being made manager, um, who's who's managed 15 teams in the last 16 years, um, which seems an incredible turnaround for a manager. Um, and three f- of them being different teams in Bucharest as well, uh, which, which surely is a surely is a there can't be many. He's got, Romanian, he's got Romanian citizenship apparently. As well. well, that there you go, there you go. So Wolves, Zenger, I, Wolves, they're all over the place, really. I think they got they got almost as many players as Birmingham had when Barry Fry was there, according to a friend of mine. Um, and I think at the moment, if if Walter Zenger is a decent manager, and I'm I'm a little bit not not quite sure about that. I mean, he's got to find a team and settle on it. Um, their results are just you know up and down, all over the place. So it's really difficult. I mean, the point of what I'm trying to say is it's quite difficult to make a prediction for Saturday because I don't know, don't think any of us know what's going to be coming at us. Um, I will, however, say that I think we're going to carry on with our unbeaten run. I think um, uh, a recent unbeaten run. I think um, I'm not. I'm not sure we're going to win, but I'm going to go for one all. Liberal. I don't like Wolverhampton. Um, it's a it's a boring place. The fans are pretty arrogant. Um, they think they're a bigger club than they are. Um, they might have a bit of history, but they haven't had that history since the 1950s. Um, and I'm a bit disappointed, really, that their ticket price is not 50p more because otherwise it would give me a good excuse to boycott it. But as it is, I can't, and so we'll be going... I think that, as Matt says, they're all over the place on their results. But we are solid. We're not giving away goals at the back. I think it'll be a 2-0 victory for the Bees. A bit of confidence going around the table here as well. Um, for myself, I think we're going to go up there and I think I'm going to bash them up 2-0 as well. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they might have a load of money, they might have a load of players coming in, but 
from what I've seen about Brentford the last couple of weeks, our defence is properly solid. We've got Ryan Woods in the middle, he's marshalling, and uh, Scott Hogan, if we get in behind their defence and they don't go overly defensive, we'll, we'll absolutely smash them off the park. So I think 2-0 to the mighty mighty bees. They've got a nice, nice fancy programme cover though, Bill. That's right, they've got an answer. If, if everyone checks the Besotted Twitter, we might put it up on Facebook as well, Besotted on the Facebook. But um, the Wolves have got this, this, uh, this, this art house type um, programme cover that's right and they've got a, a, they've got a wolf which looks like a sort of fox or and sort of like a dog like and they've got bees that look like wasps and they're sort of kind of like buzzing around and it, but it looks quite cool and it's something that's different and sometimes you've got to be a little bit different in football and it looks definitely different and a few people I say there on Twitter who have said that they are going to uh, buy the programme just because of that photograph or the, the painting it's not a photograph it's a painting actually so which is kind of cool no it's not that's right so anyway but it's cool this is this has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast thank you very much for listening to us this is the coming from the George the Fourth pub in Chiswick, which is a wicked pub. As you can hear, the old live music is going on and on in the background, on and it's and on, <laughs> and on and on and on. It's kept us company for this podcast. It's a bit like, bit like this podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's been actually great, great love. That's what happens when you have too many beers. We're on the Pride, and the Pride is actually going down absolutely fantastically. You know, we are um, in the pub at the moment now. We're sorry we didn't bring you the old. Brentford chance because we're going to put that back to next week and give it the proper time that it needs because as we put it out there there's so many different chants that come out we thought this isn't worth two or three minutes we want to talk about a good 10-15 minutes about the Brentford chance because some, yeah, that's right, because some of them are going to be quite funny so listen to that for next week and if you want to put your contribution tweet in at Besotted or on the Besotted Facebook page as well or even put it into besotted.co.uk online but this is Besotted Pride of West London podcast thank you very much for listening like us on Facebook like us all over the place and also Give us a little comment on on, uh, on iTunes as well. But as we can say, as we're coming out, we're going to Wolves on Saturday. We're going to be in the pub with the tree. There's a pub with a tree out there. We're not going to say the name of it because if you do the research, you'll find out the pub in Wolverhampton with the tree. It's the only pub to go to. But as we say, you can hear the tables. Are Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.